Hello and welcome to another live edition of the OMG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, and the birthday boy himself, Kofi Hemingway. How you fellas doing? Happy birthday, Kofi. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. You know, tomorrow's Kelvin's birthday, so you got you got two days what? worth of just Scorpio magic is coming your way. Watch this. Swing. There we go right there. We're putting it all out there in the air. That Scorpio season is in the air. We're just putting it all out there. Receive that energy. Re <laughs> well, what he said. Yeah, well, happy <laughs> early birthday to you, uh, Kelvin. Man, I tell you what, I'm, I'm around royalty right now. I'm just... I'm just going to be the quarterback. I'm just going to toss it all to you guys today uh, because let let the folks call in and give you all the love today. I'm going to just sit back and pass that way, pass that way, and, hey, it's all good for me. So, yes, uh, sir. Yeah, yeah uh, so definitely loaded show today. Uh, it is just us and you. That's what this show is. It is us and you uh, we got a lot to talk about, a lot going on. We are the ONG Strike Zone. We cover FAMU athletics like nobody else, part of the Black College Sports Network. You can find us, of course, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at OMG Strike Zone. Make sure you uh, download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app uh, on your Google and Apple Play Store. My JBM, my BCSN is where you can find us. And uh, send in any thoughts to ONGStrikeZone at gmail.com. Honestly, I've been bad about checking the email, but I'll do that today because you may want to send some birthday praises. So those of you watching us on YouTube and on Facebook, get those birthday shout-outs going, man. Kofi's birthday is today, Kelvin. Uh, tomorrow, it's just 48 hours of orange and green love. Uh, to my to my Rattler brothers, uh, man, I, I tell you what a show! I was not expecting a full show like this. Uh, let's go! Hey, uh, we got a lot to talk about. The Rattlers' big win over UAPB, first historic trip out to Arkansas Pine Bluff, and we saw the full explosion, the growth. Uh, our guy, notice I said our guy, Rashad McKay. <laughs> Rashawn McKay became a man. He grew up before our eyes, and it's over now. We, we've seen the growth and the maturation. We dealt with the struggles, the, the doubts by some people, uh, the, the beliefs by many others, and uh, we watched him grow into a man full-blown, uh, beating his chest with a QBR rating of just under 228, 338 passing yards, Five touchdowns, 21 of 32 or 30. Uh, hold on. I got it right here. 
I want to make sure I say it right because when it's that good, you don't want to mess it up. 22 of 31. Uh, the longest was 68 yards. Led the Rattlers to five consecutive scoring drives in the middle, about the second quarter on a beautiful day's work by Rashawn McKay. And, Kelvin, I'm going to let you beat your chest first because you, you stayed loyal, you stayed faithful, and uh, had to make you feel good to see your guy growing to a man on Saturday. Well, you know, I had uh, been in this camp since day one, right? Uh, I thought that he had great composure and that he wouldn't make mistakes. I thought he was a leader. He was a winner. And those kind of traits are important to me at the quarterback position. Um, and and I knew that his, his first year being a starter, that it would take time for him to, uh, you know, learn the, the intricacies of the game, right? Reading defenses, um, um, going – Coming off your first man, not staring your first man down, uh, having touch passes, right? Throwing people open versus waiting for them to get open. It's a process, and the process is still not over, right? He's still in his infancy, learning the, all the tricks of the trade. But when you got talent, and more important for me, when you have the temperament, uh, the winner's temperament, I think um, – Give me, give me that guy leading that team. So that's what I saw him even before he had the stats, right? Now, that being said, uh, uh, what makes his performance, as you kind of alluded to, that much more important was he essentially did it in a quarter and a half, right? We scored from like eight minutes into the second quarter, and then he played all the, he played the third, and then he didn't play the fourth at all, right? Right, so, right. In short window of time, we went from being down seven six to putting the game away, and so now we know we have a quarterback that can manage a game. We also have a quarterback that, if you get down by eighteen points, can bring you back and um, win a game. And then you got a guy, quarterback who can carry you uh, and will you to a win. So. I love it. The timing couldn't be better because of where we're trying to go. Um, then you add that with our elite defense and our uh, elite special teams in terms of return game. Man, we have a formula. We have a formula here, people, that uh, uh, we take care of business Saturday. And I think it's going to serve us well in the first round of the playoffs. Mm, well said. Uh, Kofi, your thoughts there on uh, Mr. McKay's performance on Saturday? Well, I'm in full agreement with uh, Mr. Rozier and everything. And, um, I mean, he played an amazing game. It was a good game. Um, and it, it showed, I want to say, his growth. It showed his maturity. And then it also showed the skill sets that are available in this offense because the belief was in the with our opponents that if we line up to stop the run, we're going to make McKay beat us. We're going to make McKay throw to beat us. We don't want the run game to beat us, which is probably going to be Bethune-Cookman's strategy as well. We're going to make McKay beat us um, with his arm. Well, guess what? He can do that. If you're not in alignment, our receivers have the skill set to get open. If you double down 
on uh, Jamarier, you got to cover Hawkins. If you double down on Hawkins, you still got to get the X-Man. You still got to cover Manigo. You still got Chad. You still have you still have Bishop Bonnet that you got to cover. You still, you double down on all them. We have tight ends that he can get the ball to. So it's just a matter of understanding what the, is the defense giving us, recognizing the coverage sets, and then getting the ball out quickly because even our tight ends are really uh, big wide receivers. Um, that if you can get the ball out to them, they can also break tackles and they're not slow and they're not uh, lumbering around. They can break away from you. So all of those components are uh, coming together at this particular time. And it's a great time for us to, for, to have the offense really peaking. And the, the thing that I like the most, in addition to his temperament, is that normally um, – he doesn't turn the ball over. You know, it's it's rare. I know the Mississippi Valley game, we had that little um we had that little hiccup and their defense stepped up at a time, but we just kinda got away from the game plan at that particular time and I don't totally blame uh those interceptions on him, even in the Alabama A and M game. Um when Xavier caught the pass, he fell to the ground, the ball popped up in the air and that gave him an interception. So to me, that looked kind of fluky. He, the ball popped up in the air. He hit the ground. If he hit the ground, then that's a catch. It should not have been necessarily an interception. If it wasn't a catch, then it's just not a catch. But say that, but they gave the man an interception anyway. And the, like Kelvin said, he brought us from 18 points down. That's three scores. And we ended up winning the game on the road. So that tells me that this guy knows how to compete. He's not overwhelmed by the moment. And the team is not overwhelmed by the moment. So it's a good thing to see the way that our team is able to come together and really compete. And so I'm really proud of him because there were so many people, including one person on the show in particular, that kept doubting, just just, just kept doubting man, just dogging the man out, just didn't want to claim him, just talking all bad about him and his mom and all these other people and everything. Just dogging the man out. He even had coaches coming up to us say, man, get off my man, man. I'm just sitting I'm like, man, I ain't got nothing bad to say about him. But there is one person that I will pass that message on to. I don't know if he's here. Let me look around him and see if he's going to say something. But now he on the bandwagon and everything. So we're going we gonna to let him off the hook and everything. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Oh, oh, by the way, Kelvin Rozier's cash app is cash tag Kelvin, K-E-L-V-I-N, Rozier, R-O-S-I-E-R. Cash tag Kelvin Rozier, very simple, K-E-L-V-I-N, R-O-S-I-E-R. You want to be a blessing to him, send him some cash. Send him some birthday money so he can make it rain on people. <laughs> Yeah, let, let, we'll make sure to we'll make sure to put that up there. Uh, I love it, man. Look, yes, uh, look. Hey, last week I was one of the ones that I, I adamantly uh, was singing the praises of McKay. You know, I told you what he did in the first half was great, uh, not good, but great. Uh, and then to come back and see what he did against UAPB, awesome as well. And we, we we've seen the full blown maturation of this quarterback is really encouraging going into this weekend's game just to reset those scoring drives. Of course, he threw two touchdowns to uh, Jamari Sharid 
uh, 16 and 8 yards. What is that now? That is uh, five consecutive weeks. Those two have combined. Is it five or six? I think it's six. Okay, so he had two to him. Of course, he had the 68-yard pass to Hawkins. He, he connected with Hawkins twice uh, for 16 and for four yards. And then uh, Nicholas Dixon caught a nine-yard pass as well. And so that was the scoring. Of course, we also got a 29-yard field goal mixed in there as well from uh, Romo Martinez. And again, FAMU just com- incomplete, uh, utter domination of the ball game. Uh, statistically, uh, again, total passing yards was 392, as I believe Cameron Sapp even got in the ball game, got himself a couple of pass attempts, two for four, nine yards in that uh, game. So we had 393, 392 net passing, rushing. 178 to 13. That was the net yardage game. 178 to 13. Uh, how about this? Cameron Sapp being the lead rusher, five carries, 61 yards. All of that pretty much coming in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Bishop with 14 carries for 55 net yards. Terrell Jennings, six carries, 47 net yards. Again, that's a nice little 7.8 yards per clip run there. Uh, you know, and plenty of other guys got in the ball game as well. On the receiving end, uh, Xavier Smith, five catches for 103. Uh, Sharid, six catches for 81 and two scores. Jermaine Hawkins, the two catches, two touchdowns, equaling 72 yards. Manigo got a pair. Bishop got a few. Chad Hunter got a couple. Sanders, I mean, Darian Oxendine, I mean, just 24 total receptions split up among, I'm going to guess that's about 10 guys that I named in there. I was just doing kind of quick math. So, I mean, that that is a, a great production and spread out. And, again, I continue to say we have the best, we truly have the best receiving core in the country, uh, I, I mean, hands down. I, I don't, you know, I all respect to Alabama A&M and, I think Jackson State might be the only receiving core that might be even in the conversation with us, to be honest with you, in terms of what they can do. And I and I say that because Jay State may have height. They got a few guys with some ridiculous height, you know, and just the way they use those guys. Uh, guys, let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I really like what I've seen out of Lovey Jenkins over the last few weeks. I think this is the maybe the second week in a row. He's either led or been at the top in terms of total tackles. Eight in the game, six of them solo. Uh, Marquise doing what he does well. Eight tackles, four solo. Uh, forced a fumble, pass breakup as well. How about B.J. Bowler with a couple of interceptions to go along with four solo tackles in the ball game? And then, of course, we can't forget about Isaiah Land. Uh, three tackles, three of them solo. Three tackles for loss three sacks, uh, and a a pass breakup. And I think if I saw the NCAA stats correctly, Land has 15 solo sacks, 16 total if you count the two half sacks. So he's at 16, which, again, the FAMU record, he now has in sole possession of the third best sack season in FAMU football history, the record being 18 no, excuse me, the record being 20, second place is 18. 
Uh, jump over to you, Kofi. Uh, you want to jump in there with any thoughts on the defensive guys? Well, obviously, I mean, our defense, for the most part, has been playing lights out. I know UAPB have been dealing with some injuries. But at the same time, when this defense is focused, when they're playing with, I want to say, championship intensity, they're very, very difficult to beat. And even with Savion uh, getting kicked out of the game, uh, they were able to, you know, continue to apply pressure. They were continuing to shut down the run game. They were continuing to get interceptions and turnovers. This defense, when they are dialed in, and I know their energy is going to be up. My only concern, my only concern is um, getting too emotionally wound up to the point where it turns into turnovers. So poise, I want to say control rage is what I want to see from this group come Saturday, understanding what is necessary, understanding everything that is on the line, play hard, play in, play with energy, but be disciplined. These, these guys, this it's a rivalry game. They're going to get in your face. They're going to talk trash about you. They're going to beat you eight the last nine years. Y'all then just suck. All kinds of stuff. Your mammy, your pappy, all kind of stuff. You sorry, you green, you garbage. Y'all ain't ass, et cetera, et cetera. They got to be able to channel that energy and be able to be the disciplined unit that I know that they can be. So, but yeah, I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. They had an inferior squad that they went up against and they demonstrated how inferior they were and didn't let them uh, get any confidence throughout the game. Yeah, being disciplined is something that worries me given the fact that another game where we had double-digit penalties, uh, 11 penalties for 112 yards. Uh, Kelvin, jump in there. Any thoughts on the defense? Uh, no surprise. Uh, I was disappointed in Savion because he did get uh, tossed out the game, and he deserved to get tossed out the game, uh, even though he was re reacting to something that happened. Uh, he could have lined up the next play and took it out then while the play was live, but, he, you know, he, he got caught reacting, and, and so he got kicked out, which I believe means he'll miss the first quarter and about probably a few minutes of the second quarter of this game. Um, but outside of that situation, um, it was a dominating game. We had, what, three turnovers, a couple of interceptions, and, and um, of course, you, you mentioned the tackles for loss and the sacks. And, um, and to me, that what separates this year's football team from any other in the past, even in the Billy Joe days, in the past probably 30 years, uh, that this defense is elite. This defense is a championship-level defense, and I'm saying against anybody. We haven't seen anybody yet the entire season uh, drive the length of the field more than twice against this defense, and, and I don't see it happening now um, as long as we stay healthy and so forth. So, uh, you know, there's, a, there's you know nine in a row. I know a lot of people, true, you know, want to, well, homeboy, blah, 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 no. We are who we are. This is game 11. <laughs> ain't nothing different. <laughs> ain't nothing different going to happen Saturday. We're going to play defense. We're going to have good return teams, solid special teams play. And um, and the only thing we need to happen is in big games, your playmakers got to play big plays, right? 
So, you know, we, we know who they are. So the Isaiah Lands and then Savion Williams and the and the uh the uh Bishop Bonnets and uh Sherrod and um yeah those, those guys just do what they do. I, I, I like the mentality in the sense that you know, hey, you know, you don't wanna switch up anything you've done to put undue pressure. But at the end of the day, this is a big game. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big game, you know. Now we done did all the work to get yep. to this point, right? And now there's a lot of goals ahead of us, right? Ending in street, playoff implications, black college championship implications, just finishing uh, a season strong. You know, you know, it's a plethora of reasons. And so I'm going to put my birthday request in right now. I'm going to put Early. pressure. Early. <laughs> so it's, it's been uh, nine years. So I need a touchdown for each year uh, <laughs> from this rap squad. <laughs> That's all. Wow. That's all, huh? <laughs> Not not just scoring not, not scoring drives. Let's be clear. Not scoring drives. You want actually six touchdowns. Touchdown. Okay. I said touchdown. Okay. All right. All right. Man, that's wow. Uh no pressure. No pressure, fellas. Let's go. You're you're more than capable. Go big and go home. Go big and go home. More than capable. Well, fam you coming out of this contest again improved to eight and two, six and one. In the uh, SWAC, in pretty much every black college football poll, they are now number two, sitting right behind Jackson State. Um, nationally, I think there was CBS was maybe the first poll nationally to have FAMU in their top 25. They, it's funny how they did their, their poll came out like before Saturday, I think on Friday night or something like that, heading into the weekend. But coming out of the weekend, seems like FAMU has uh, garnered the attention that we thought they should have probably already gotten as they were 23, ranked number 23 on the Stats FCS poll. I think they were 25 in another poll. So now the Rattlers are in the conversation. We're in the 25 uh, after uh, Preview kind of dropped out after they lost over the weekend and fam you kind of moves into that territory and and we'll just we'll kind of see coming up a little bit later we'll get into the discussion of the playoffs as there are several teams that uh are sort of all buying for those at large bids and we'll talk about that we'll also of course talk about this uh this rivalry Bethune cookman you know it's been a uh, it's been a long decade since the Rattlers last won a contest. Maybe we'll revisit that last win just to get some of the good feelings out, out into the universe and kind of rehash uh, some of the memories of that last win. We'll also invite you guys, you guys out there watching us on YouTube or on Facebook or even uh, on our Twitter streams, we're going to give you the call-in number, give you a chance to call in, get in here, Talk to us a little bit about your expectations for the Rattlers. Very happy to see the Rattlers go over 33 total team points. Ching, ching. Um, 
and I and 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 I will be coming to the classic with my drinks packs, my my twelve packs. I, I think uh, it's you know I, I'm 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 okay to go ahead and give up the ghost on those uh, on those pets. What, what was your order again, Kelvin? What was that? Uh, ginger ale. And, and what was yours, Kofi? Hot chocolate. Okay, hot chocolate. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, that's interesting. All right. So, so I'll make sure to have that on hand when I see you fellas this weekend. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the upcoming week. We'll even transition over to our Lady Rattlers who are finished up the regular season. Number two, heading into the tournament. We'll talk about that uh, tournament coming up this weekend on the other side. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back right after these words. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and parenting education coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. For 200 years. All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, uh, Kofi Hemingway, uh, live and direct here. A lot going on. Want to call your attention, Rattler Nation. Make sure you guys get over to ESPN Plus if you have it. Currently, right now, our Lady Rattlers, our uh, hoopsters, are in Tulsa, Oklahoma, taking on Tulsa. Currently down 34-13, to start of the second half. Bit of a rough start for uh, FAMU in the first quarter. 
as they were uh, outscored, I believe I had the I had the scoring. I had it up just a minute ago. Uh, I think the first quarter was nineteen to five. Tough first quarter for uh, the Lady Rattlers. Um, no one individual kind of standing out in terms of point production wise. So just to kind of put that out there is. FAMU comes out and hits a three-pointer to uh, to get this uh, contest. Uh, Mallory Brooks hit that three. So who knows? You know, we're looking to see can can we just be competitive? Obviously, the ladies opened the season last week against Troy, a 79-50 loss on the road. And so uh, upcoming for the uh, Lady Rattlers, uh, they've got Memphis coming up this weekend after taking on Tulsa. So, um, you know that uh, they are they are they are the uh, out on the road earning checks for the program. So that's where they are right now. Uh, our men, our men's basketball team, with a nice win over that uh, was yesterday Monday, opened up with a home opener. Uh, we, we haven't had too many of these. I can't even think, uh, Kelvin, I don't know. You can think about the last time we had a home basketball game in November. It's probably been a few years. Uh, Rattlers got a 95-70 to 70 victory over LeMoyne Owen College. That's out of, They're out of the SIAC. So, uh, FAMU, with that win... Uh, after uh, the 10-point loss to Kansas State last Wednesday. So it was a good chance, good opportunity for FAMU to get a win. Uh, statistically speaking, if I saw that correctly, FAMU had six players in double figures, led by MJ Randolph, who had 21 points and 10 assists in 36 minutes of action. Uh, Dominguez Stevens came off the bench and added 14, but again, uh, overall, just a good, good productive day for the Rattlers shot 50% from the three point line as a team, uh, 13 of 18 at the free throw line, uh, shot, uh, 50, just under 57% from the field in total, but 95 points, man, that that's. That's pretty good, man. They scored 50 points in the first half, 45 in the second. So good showing by FAMU. Uh, talk a little, any guys, any any thoughts there on our guys getting off to a, a good start and, and just the start of the women's season as well? Well, I mean, the women's, the women's basketball team is rebuilding. I think that, you know, just settling your mind, understanding where we are. Uh, I want to see us, uh, Rattler Nation just really get behind the program and, you know, be patient at least a year for her to be able to get her program and to get her Jamisha's and Jodrika's, because you can't say Jimmy and Joe for the ladies, but Jamisha's and Jodrika's into the program so that, you know, the personnel can get up. I think FAMU has an attractive program for women's basketball. We have a tremendous history there's a lot of great basketball in the state, women's basketball or young ladies basketball in the state of Florida and in the Southeast. So it should not take her 
that long to be able to get the right personnel in that can help us to make a championship run. But at the same time, let's make this place inviting. Let's make them want to play um, for the orange and green. And let's support them. I think the men's team is definitely going to be able to finish in the upper echelon of the conference. Uh, Texas Southern is definitely looking good right now. But I think that uh, our team will be right there in the mix. If, you know, just continue barring injury, we can just stay healthy and do the things that we need to do. Rattler basketball is back. And again, we need to bring the same energy that we bring the football season to basketball season. We, uh, we need to be able to generate that revenue that helps the revenue for the athletic department. But, again, creates the kind of atmosphere that top athletes want to be able to come in and be a part of going forward. So let's get behind our basketball team. Calvin, jump in there. Yeah, I agree with everything that COVID stated. Uh, I'll add that um, in terms of the women's program that – you also have a first-time head coach. Uh, team hasn't played in really three years. Uh, it's a new team, a lot of new bodies. So it's a process where we really have to embrace them and support them, like Kobe said, and um, give them the opportunity to grow and to kind of get their feet wet um, in terms of uh, style of play right now. Who, who, what's the rotation, all those things uh, would take time anyway, but in this scenario, it, it, it's uh, exponential because of uh, all the newness around the program. So, uh, but we got good people, good, good, good kids, and uh, we look good with a LeBron deal, and, yeah. um, and, and we, got a, we got a beautiful facility, so we absolutely have to support our, uh, our, our student-athletes and our coaches. And in terms of the men's things, the two things that stick out to me, number one, is MJ is off to a fantastic start. I think he's averaging about 24 a game. And and he's bringing it uh, from game to game. So I really look forward to see him uh, lead this team. I think he's going to be a candidate, obviously, for player of the year in the SWAC. And and I think uh, the coaches and the players, you know, you return the five starters, a lot of your depth with the new guys you brought in who are talented. They 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 feel good. They they know who they are. They kind of like the football team. They know who they are. They know what they're gonna get from game to game, and and I'm really excited just to, to see uh, them put it all together. And uh, I would love to see them to have a. For me, the test for them is not conference, but in the out-of-conference schedule that they have, I think it's one in which they have some games where they can win. I would love to see them finish above 500 out-of-conference, and they're, they're capable of that. So um, that's what I'm watching with the men's program. And I'll just add, you know, that uh, men's basketball, HBC basketball is off to a great start in general. Uh, mm-hmm. I, so my counterparts in the, in the, in the MEAC, a former yeah. uh, conference, right, uh, Howard is looking outstanding. I mean, they, they were three and over, but uh, uh, they played uh, a, a ranked Villanova team, and I think ended up losing uh, 10, 12, somewhere around there. It was a pretty close game, but they were in the game for most of the game, and then uh, Villanova pulled away late, much like Kansas State did with us. And then uh, Norfolk State also is uh, winning, winning out of conference 
and uh, we, we already know about it in the SWAT what Texas Southern and 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 Fairview uh, uh, some of those programs do. So so it, it's looking good for uh, HBCU basketball, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, that's a good point. Norfolk State, I think four and zero. I think and and. I think whenever we are in a mid-major conference, as they call it, categorize it, so I think any chance that our HBCU programs get a chance to play those mid-major programs, I think this year specifically, because look at our team, look at FAMU, 13, I think 12 or 13 returners. I mean, how rare is that? That's very rare that you have such a large number of returners, so the familiarity in the system, the understanding of the expectation, the just the growth and maturation that um, that's and, and part of that is because of, of course, the, the COVID year, the extra year of eligibility everybody got. Uh, but then there's going to be programs that choose to go to transfer route. So it'll be interesting to see, especially early on in the month of November, December, a team like ours versus a team that has maybe six, seven, or eight transfers, how that, how we compete against those guys, you know. Um, you, you didn't mention MJ Randolph. He is averaging 24 points a game right now uh, through the two games. Uh, up next for the Rattlers this Sunday, they take on the University of Miami down in Coral Gables. So calling all Rattlers uh, after you leave the Florida Classic, Head on, and you're heading south, go and get a ticket at Coral Gables and make sure to show up and show out because I know you're still going to be excited about the win over Bethune. Carry that energy into Coral Gables because uh, Miami, I think, right now is sitting at 3-1. and one. Uh, They just beat Florida Atlantic the other day. They lost to UCF. Uh, lost to UCF over the weekend. So those are the two most recent Florida schools. So let's go ahead and give these guys, let's give Miami a run. I don't know what the early line is. I'll be looking for it. But uh, if it's double digits, I'm looking for the Rattlers to to play within 10 points, maybe even closer. So I I think that's the one advantage that FAMU has. Kofi, did you want to jump in there real quick before we transition over to our volleyball team? Uh, no, man, I just, you know, I, I, I think it's time for, you know, just for really, as you were stating, I just want to continue to reiterate the necessity for Rattler Nation to buy into our basketball program, that the same energy yeah. and enthusiasm that we have towards our football program, that needs to go towards our basketball program. That has to go. It needs to also go to our volleyball, our baseball we need to be as all in because these are the programs that also have opportunities to compete on the national level and put FAMU on a greater stage. Um, You know, if we're looking to attract uh, the LeBron James children and all these other people that we're looking to go and get, we have to make FAMU look like it is the absolute, and it is the best HBCU, but not only the best HBCU, but the best place for you to mature and become uh, who you're called to be. It's a great place of development. It's an excellent place for you to grow. And we're going to love you and cheer for you and get behind you, um, even if you're not playing football. Let's get behind our Olympic sports. Let's get behind the sports other than football so we can make this place even more inviting and generate revenue for our athletic program. 
Yeah, and I, I do want to see our athletic program or whoever is in charge of licensing. I don't know how that part is going to work. And, and I think there somebody at some point, we've got to take advantage of the merchandising opportunity that comes with these LeBron James jerseys. I mean, they are a first of their kind. You know, um, we already had one game where, you know, our guys were out on the court, didn't have the uniforms ready. But I, I think some sort of merchandising opportunities will be missed if there are jerseys not available for sale during the holidays. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying that, right? Um, so I, I don't know what's in the works or, you know, I would like to think there was some pre-planning. I don't know who's in charge of it. I don't know if that's Nike, probably more so Nike than anybody else and how much our athletic administration has some say into that. But uh, I, I do think we need to get on – on that and uh, be able to kind of push that forward. At least kind of make that happen, right? Sooner than later. Let's talk about our Lady Rattlers, our our esteemed uh, volleyball program who finished up the regular season. And let me, let me get my system set up here as I'm all over the place here. Uh, finished the regular season with a win over Alabama State, having to beat those pesky Hornets three to two, three sets to two. I tell you, that's the one team. I'm just so thankful that that team, say what you want. I'm glad that team in Jackson State have to deal with each other on the other side of the bracket. Exactly. Yes. One of them. Uh, so we did avenge. Look, the Lady Rattlers finished the regular season 22 and six in the conference, 14 and two. Those two losses to Jackson State and Alabama State, we did avenge both losses. So that's one positive right there. So we did avenge those losses. We finished a regular season with a nine-game winning streak. Um, seven and one record at home, six and four away, nine and one on neutral sites, which is uh hey, that's pretty good because we are preparing to head to Huntsville, Alabama in a couple days for the SWAC tournament. And uh, just to set the the bracket, just so everybody knows, uh, we are the two seed, and Jackson State won the regular season for the second consecutive year. They are the one seed. They will face Texas Southern, who's the eighth. Uh, also on that side of the bracket, number four, Alabama State, who will take on number five, Grambling State. Uh, FAMU will take on the seven seed, Prairie View A&M, who we, uh, we swept during the course of the season. And the three seed is Arkansas Pine Bluff. We, had, we fared better against Arkansas Pine Bluff than we did Alabama State, which is why, uh, thankfully, Arkansas Pine Bluff won their last game of the regular season because I think had they lost that game, they might have lost the tiebreaker to Alabama State. But uh, and Southern is the sixth seed, so... The Lady Rattlers are playing the last game of the quarterfinals, 6.30 p.m. on November 19th, which is Friday night. So Friday night, 6.30 p.m., that game will be on the SWAT Digital Network. The semifinals will be 4 o'clock Eastern. Uh, you know what? That's 5 o'clock Eastern time because I forgot. They do everything central. So let me back up. 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern, that is what time we play Friday night. Saturday 
afternoon. Uh, it is a five o'clock Eastern, four Central. So a lot of us will be watching the classic, and I'm sure on our televisions or our laptops or whatever in the media box, we'll be watching that uh, that FAMU semifinal contest. And then, of course, the championship is Sunday, 4 Eastern, 3 Central on ESPN+. Plus. So a big weekend for the Rattlers, our Lady Rattlers. Uh, what are your thoughts, Kelvin? Are our ladies going to get it done? What, 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 what are our chances? It couldn't have felt better for us, right? Like you mentioned, that's what I was going to say. Uh, we, we went five sets twice with Alabama State. We did sweep Jackson State, and then we lost uh, our first game against which they swept us. So to not to have them two to have to face each other and only have to face one of them if we take care of our business is definitely uh, aligning us for the opportunity to win that tournament. And with a 22-6 record, we, our record is, is far above and beyond anybody in, in our conference, number one. And we actually have quality out-of-conference win. Um, I, I don't know if our simple schedule is enough uh, uh, in terms of at-large. Um, so uh, I don't want to put it in, in the hands of a, a committee. So hopefully uh, we expected – we really did expect, you know, when Coach – he's been on the show a couple of times. We expected them to be here and now they're here with, their, with all their goals. Ahead of them, they control their own destiny, and um, you know, I don't, I don't even feel like it's a homer thing. I just think that all they got to, I, I'm, I'm not too worried about any opponents other than the two that you know we struggle with. So we're, now knowing that we only have to play one of them, I like our chances. Yeah, um, I it makes me wonder. You know, I don't, and was something we'll have to kind of educate ourselves on about how the selection process goes, <coughs> whether we've done enough to garner an at-large bid. I mean, let's I, I would tend to think usually the SWAC is a one-team bid, but then again, they haven't had a team do what we did in the non-conference season. So hopefully we've strengthened our positioning. And, uh, you know, I would like to think that uh, if we can at least get to the championship game, it gives us a strong leg to stand on in terms of an at-large bid in the worst-case scenario, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Kofi, you want to jump in to add anything? Well, absolutely. I mean, the championship, we're in position to control our own destiny, and that's what you want to have as any athletic team is not to put your, um, your destiny into another team's hands. Uh, we did what we were supposed to do, and uh, we understand what needs to be done. We understand how to beat every team in the SWAC. And now it's just time to play championship ball and get out there and get it done and bring home FAMU's first SWAC title, our first SWAC title. Uh, again, I, I had the, you know, just talking about the whole destiny in the other people's hands thing. It can just be nerve-wracking. And it's just, you always, you get let down more than you do anything else you know just watching the whole southern jackson state game last week i was like uh-oh uh-oh southern about to go ahead and 
that, burn it. I was like, Florida Avenue, damn, damn, damn. We, we just had opportunity to just, you know, we, we had just done what we were supposed to do in the first game. We're not even worried about what Jackson State and Southern do. We just go in and handle our business and make it happen. So um, the volleyball team absolutely has everything. All of their chips um, are on the table, man. I, I hope we have some kind of contingent there. But even if we don't, let's just go out there and just get it done. We fight and win whatever the battle be. So let's get it done. We, uh, it, I'm hoping that we have a good lion's share of the postseason awards, which I'm sure will be coming out this weekend as well. I, I think it's safe. I think it's good odds. Good odds are probably out there that Dominique Washington will. Pro- I'd be shocked if she's not player of the year. I think without a doubt she's newcomer of the year, but I think her statistics warrant her being player of the year in the conference, uh, or at least uh, I think what they call it, the hitter of the year or something like that. I, I think uh, Ira Mokar easy should be the setter of the year. Her statistics uh, next to a uh, young lady from Jackson State, but that's in conference games. Now, I don't know if they look at overall stats versus conference only, but if you look at overall statistics, by far and away, Ukar and Washington have earned that player of the year award and then i think the defensive player of the award i don't see uh the stats in here but um uh, uh, the other young lady who's been um leading us defensively with digs and i'm gonna pull her name up real quick jess along jess along mm-hmm. i think should be in contention and should us uh, to win defensive or defensive player of the year. So we've got three ladies who definitely will probably be first team all swack. And I think we bring home at least three, maybe four of the individual postseason awards. It just depends on uh, how they, how they shade us a little bit. So I guess we'll have to, we'll kind of, we'll kind of see how it rolls. All right, fellas, uh, let's come back after this break and uh, get into a little bit of this contest and maybe look back at some history, talk a little bit about the upcoming road to the playoffs and even get into maybe taking some callers because I know guys out there, guys and gals, are itching to uh, jump in and talk to us. So you're watching the ONG Strike Zone right here on the Black College Sports Network. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. 
Mangos Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992 or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mangoes Caribbean Restaurant, authentic Caribbean cuisine. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Kelvin, Kofi here. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ONG Strike Zone. If you're watching us out there on YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe to that uh, YouTube page, Jericho Broadcast Network's YouTube page. Help us out there and then uh, give us a thumbs up on the show. We appreciate you guys jumping in, just looking at some of the people out there on YouTube. Uh, Joe King. Larry Smith, uh, Tamara Taylor, uh, Kenneth Rozier, Marcus Green out there, Will Ellis joined us, EA uh, jumped in there, uh, Mr. Figures as well. And that, that right there, folks, let you know that the line is working, so we'll be taking calls here coming up pretty soon. Uh, some of our Facebook regulars I know are out there watching, uh, Floyd, out there watching us. Floyd Hill out there watching us. I know Marcus is out there watching. Uh, got a few other people out there on Facebook. You guys see anybody, uh, feel free to shout them out. I'm, I'm, I'm catching names. Mike Reed. Mike Reed, yeah. Mike Road Dog Reed. Yes, definitely. He's got a few questions. Montre Bennett. Yeah, Montre Bennett for sure, for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about the playoff scenarios, all right? Because, uh, trust me, like many of you, we are constantly going back and forth, just looking at what's out there, what people are saying. And so, you know, I I think the biggest thing is we all have to be – I think there was a great article, and Kelvin, you brought this up, good article in HBCUsports.com. Kendrick Marshall does good work. Uh, for them, and uh, let me see, this came out uh, yesterday. Uh, Florida A&M is on the bubble to make the FCS playoffs, so what are the Rattlers' chances? Um, you know, and I, and I thought one of the biggest things here that was brought up in this article, uh, because he does have some um, conversations with Craig Haley from Stats Perform FCS, who uh, they do a good job of covering FCS in general. But I think we're looking at, as Craig says, uh, that there's a group of about 12 teams that FAMU is going up against in terms of a final at-large spot. Some of those teams, VMI, William & Mary, Mercer, Kennesaw State, Stephen F. Austin are some of the ones named. And it kind of brings me to this question, Kelvin, that I see EA asked in the chat room about whether FAMU can overcome, as he says, a record of only one win over a team with a winning record to be chosen over tougher schedule 
FCS teams. Now, I haven't, I honestly have not dug too deep into the strength of schedules for VMI, William and Mary Mercer. So uh, maybe you have, Kelvin, uh, but but what, what can you add or share to that question? And while you're doing that, maybe I'll kind of do a little digging and see what I can find on the fly. I kind of mentioned, um, I started talking about this last uh, episode. And right. Uh, right. The, the, I guess the first thing I would say is this. Absolutely, FAMU is not only in the midst. If we win, I think that uh, our odds are definitely greater than 50-50 uh, that we'll get in. Um, and we've earned our way in. I mean, how do you tell a team that has one loss to an FCS school, who's the conference champ by one point, who has one of the top defenses in the country, one of the top return men in the country, one of the highest possible projected draft picks in the country. Uh, and, and you can only beat who you beat, right? Uh, out of conference, we played an FCS, a FBS, and um, a D2. Uh, the FB, FCS school, South Carolina State, is champions of their conference. It, the MIAC is a little bit down this year, and they can actually win the conference with a losing record if they lose to the Norfolk this week. But they are a conference champ at the, FC, at the SCS level at the end of the day. And we beat them convincingly. Uh, they did play out-of-conference games, and uh, they didn't, you know, uh, a couple of D2 schools, and um, then they played two SWAT schools, three SWAT, SWAT schools, actually. Um, and they lost to us in the Alabama a and they beat Bethune. Uh, so... Um, Alabama, it would help if Alabama and them wins this week, you know, and I made them what seven and three. Uh, it would help if South Carolina State wins this week, that would make them, um, six and five a winner record conference champ, which I, I, I do think helps. Uh, Jackson State winning, um, this week, uh, uh, would also help. Uh, you know, all that just helps our strength of schedule. Um, but, you know, we've earned it. You know, this team, you ain't giving them opportunity. I've already gone on record and say, once we get into the FCS playoffs, whoever we play the first round, I'm already pre- predicting victory because uh, I-, I believe in matchups and I believe our defense and I, and I run a game and, I, and, 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 and it's difficult to prepare for a team when you haven't seen them and they and what they do, they do it at an elite level, and you don't have the personnel within your scout team to actually to, to actually um, mimic at the speed of what we do. What we do, they don't have a defense. They can't put a, a, our number one defense on a practice squad to practice against, and then come play us. So, um, so in terms of uh, our, you know what we do and and our rugger. It's so much on our resume, not to mention just the whole attendance part of it and and, and the brand that has found you and our success we've had. You know, the swag is over 19 in the, in the FCS playoffs, but FAMU is not. <laughs> right. So, right. And, and a lot of those programs realize that. So, uh, at the end of the day, if we win, I don't think they had the guts not to. 
But then just talking about the shrimp of schedules, I'm not that big. Uh, I, I don't see the argument this year specifically with shrimp of schedule because you have teams uh, such as uh, um, you mentioned um, VMI, and uh, which already has four losses, by the way. Um, right. It, and, uh, you know, moment for three losses, and they get they play Kennesaw. And, um, you know, you got Jacksonville State has four losses. South East Louisiana, they have two losses, and one of them against Magnese State, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the same squad that lost to a D2, West Florida. First game of the season. So don't let these people fool you about, you know, that Southland, the OVC, the Southern playing uh, exponentially better programs than, than, than in the SWAC. That's that's baloney. All right? They, as a matter of fact, because of uh, COVID and storms and some other things, they playing each other. They ain't even playing outside of their conference, <laughs> a lot of them, right? So they got wins and losses against each other. So the, the, the strength of schedule, particularly with the uh, – Conferences in the South, I, I'm not buying. Now, if, if you, if, I know that there's a lot of teams in the big, uh, the big sky out west that you know, 82, you know, and in the Dakota schools, North Dakota, South Dakota, State, South Dakota, you know, there may be an argument, but it's still top heavy. That don't give them a pass for, um, uh, you know, the rest of the conference, right? Um, I would take per, a pair of view, particularly, let me do it this way. So the SWAC, FAMU, and Jackson State, they're, they're top tier. Mm-hmm. I, I would take those two squads and put them against any other FCS squad and um, and, and realistically believe that they, they could win. They can beat anybody because they have an elite defense. They're great as well. They're tier. So they're tier above the rest of the SWAC. And I will agree that maybe – the middle and the bottom of the side, the rest of the swag may not be up to those other conference levels for our, our elite team or our, 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 our good as their elite team. So that's the way I look at it. And um, and um, if we got nine wins, one loss, eight, eight wins, the other criteria that they use in the playoffs also is how many FCS wins you have. So these teams with four losses and, 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 and three losses, some of them are, aren't going to have seven FCS wins. They're going to have six, five FCS wins. And uh, we 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 beat Bethune. We're going to have eight. So, so I'm just saying, man. You know, does uh, you know? We take care of business. We'll, we'll be in. I, I'll be shocked. I really would. I would be shocked if we're not in. Um. Kofi, let me come to you and and maybe ask you within the framework of our history, because one of the things that's brought up in this article, and it's a quote from Coach Simmons about the misconception of HBCUs, is the SWAC's previous record in playoffs, which was 0-19 previously outside of, uh, or 0 for the last 19, I guess, however you want to go back. Um, and so, as you said, out that that's sort of there's that stigma of us. But uh, how much is our lack of success during the regular season also a part of that stigma against HBC, or do you think it has a factor? What What are your thoughts? 
When you say lack of success in the regular season, who are you referring to? HBCU teams against non-HBCU opponents. I, mean, uh, I would disagree. I would I would disagree vehemently because Howard beat UNLV a couple of years ago. Well, um, statistically, North Carolina. Though, but statistically, again, you ask me the question now. You got to let I'm, me I'm, answer well, the okay. question at least. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go this ahead. is my I'm birthday, sorry. so you need to go on ahead and yes, chill out. I'm sorry. Go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. All right. Go now, ahead. I'm sorry. What I was saying was, before I was rudely interrupted by somebody who ain't no birthday. Yes. All right. Now, Howard beat UNLV a couple of years ago. Okay. And this was a, a with a freshman QB, Cam Newton's brother. Okay. So they beat them. North Carolina A&T has routinely beat Jacksonville State, East Carolina, East Carolina. Uh, um, Kent State. Um, yep. Who else they beat? Um, they they beat, beat teams about, in the Big South this year. Oh, yeah, they beat teams in the Big South. We have beaten North Carolina A&T two times in a row. So if people are thinking that our teams are – not ready to compete. I think that that's just a misnomer, and that's just people just trying to keep us out because they understand. I think some of this is jealousy just because I think people saw the number of people that the Bayou Classic um, was able to draw the TV deal. And there's no other FCS school um, schools outside of the HBCUs that are going to be able to generate those types of numbers. And they wanted to try to bully Grambling and Southern into doing something that goes against this just basic common sense and interest and it's part of their tradition if anything they should be switching the playoff but let me get back to the point we've beaten our hbcus have enough wins to to um north carolina ANC has proven that hbcus can beat uh pwis and schools from other conferences so that's i believe is a moot point prairie view almost beat uh rice at their stadium uh a couple of years back so this is not something, a question of whether or not we can compete. We can compete. And had we had had McKay played a slightly better game, had we really stuck with the run game this year, we would have beat the University of South Florida, I believe. Uh, we were right there at the end and uh, had really an opportunity to um, make that game way more competitive uh, in terms of the score. But I think it was definitely a competitive game if people actually took the time to watch it. I do I'm agree. off my soapbox now, so you can speak. I, thank you. I do agree that we have proven the ability to beat them. I guess my point was, from an overall macro level, percentage-wise, when you look at all the game, and I, I just go back to one particular year where I know I went back and charted 2018, I think it was, where you had the large number of, I think out of 20 or 30 games, we only had the two or three, and that was your UNLV game that you mentioned and North Carolina A&T's win or two, and I think you had three. South Carolina State beat Wofford. Yeah, that was yeah, that was 2019, I think it was. But, but I get yeah. your point. Outside of the handful of schools that we're not winning at the clip that I think draws the attention – of whether it be pollsters, whether it be the committees. And then, of course, you are dealing with this stigma thing about 
never before has the SWAC had a team sitting in a position like FAMU, where they're just as good as everyone in FCS, and probably we are one point shy of being in first place. That's never happened before. We've beaten everyone else in the SWAC, proved our medal, and we are one point shy of the team that is the best team uh, right now in HBCU football in the SWAC East. One more point I want to bring up, because I think when you get into looking at how are they going to evaluate FAMU against these other conferences, and let's go through that list of teams that you just that we named. We've got teams from the Southern Conference, the CAA, the Big South, the WAC, the OVC. You know what's interesting? When I go and look at the ratings, now I go over to MasseyRatings.com, and I just look at the way they rank their conferences, right, FCS conferences. Now, as funny is the SWAC East and the SWAC West are divided as two different conferences, and they should because the SWAC East has proven to be much better than the SWAC West overall. But among conferences, SWAC East comes in rated 13th. SWAC West comes in rated 15th. MEAC comes in rated 17th out of 18th. And then there are school, there are conferences above us with losing records. When I go to records, guess who all of a sudden moves into the top five? SWAC East, 17 and 13, right? Right there, Ivy League, we know they're not participating. So who's that leave? Missouri Valley, the AQ7, the Colonial. Guess the SWAC East has a better record percentage-wise then. Big South, OVC, uh, the Southern Conference. And, and you know, so I, I just think, look, we, there's a perception there that – uh, I, I am sort of really glad now that you think about it. I'm glad that Coach Simmons and, uh, and whoever else from a PR standpoint decided to start talking about FAMU having a place at the seat as an FCS at large when they started that about, what, four or five weeks ago? I'm glad yep. they started that. That was a great PR strategy because it should debunk these – horribly twisted metrics which have shaded the swack so low that i mean if you rated us on conference alone there's no way we can get out of being where we're where we are but if you hold us up the swack east on a separate pedestal along with all of these other conferences i mean the swack east is by far the dominant side it's its own it might as well be its own 16 division hell it's better than the MEAC six teams so it's better than the other side of the SWAT and it's better than many of these other small FCS uh leagues so I you know in the end FAMU does have to just win we we just got to win on Saturday and and take care of ourselves um all right let's do this we promise calls let's give the people calls Coming up after the break, we're going to calls. So get ready. Giving you the phone number. Coming up after the break, you'll get a chance to call in, share your thoughts with us on not only FAMU's chances in the playoffs to get into the playoffs, your thoughts about this game this weekend against Bethune-Cookman. We want to hear from you, Rattler Nation. So get ready. Get your pens. Get your pencils ready. 
We give out the phone line one at a time. We want to hear from you. Coming up after the break, you're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never, ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay. Call Cuvay. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Fulford, Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, a segment we like to call As the Swag Turns, where we kind of take a look at some of the news happening in the Swag. And boy, oh boy, there's a lot of news happening in the Swag this week. Uh, we will talk about that. But okay, folks, I told you to get your pen and pencil ready. Here's the phone number. Give you a chance to come in. Call quickly. Let us know who you are, where you're calling from. Get your question and comments in. We want to give as many people a shot at coming in as we can. Uh, in you got a hundred dollars on BCU. I'll take your money if you want to. If you giving out money like that, I'll take it. You, you let's talk. Let's talk. If you giving out fun, you giving out hundred dollar bills. Let's go. Uh, here's here's the number six seven eight four five nine. Four two three six. Again, six seven eight four five nine four two three six. So uh, we'll give the people a chance. Want to hear from the callers, Rattler Nation? Get in 
find out who we got calling on the line. Again, 678-459-4236. We'll kind of – I was trying to do a little math here to kind of figure out how they were coming up with those rankings. Here's what I will say about SWAC East versus SWAC West, and this is a little homework that uh, Dr. Cavill had me do it. All right, looks like we got a caller here. Good timing. All right, hello, caller. Welcome. Thanks for calling into the OG Strike Zone. Who are you and where are you calling from? And turn your computer down if you would. Your volume on your computer. Who you? Hello. No, they're on. Somebody's listening to us on delay. Hello, who's who's uh, who's calling? Who's calling? Hello. Hello, caller. All right, let's let's punch up somebody else. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Take two. Take two again. If you're calling in, make sure to turn down the volume on your computer so we can hear you. All right, let's hear who we got. Hello, caller. Thanks for calling the ONG Strike Zone. Who are you, who are you, and where are you calling from? All right, 0 for 2. All right, now. Come on, folks. Let's get right. Take two again. If you call I hear again, somebody. Hello. 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 Hey, how you doing, caller? Okay. Who are you? Where are you coming from? Can you hear me? We can hear you. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Are you hearing us? Let's make sure our production's going well in the background. All right. So, well, we're we're zero for two. Here we go. Third strike. Third time the charm. Hello, caller. Thanks for calling the ONG Strike Zone. Who are you and where are you calling from? All right, I think we may just have to go to chats then. We're just going to have to go to chats. I, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with the phone lines. 678-459-4236. It worked the last few weeks, you know. I don't know what happened. Something happened. Is, are you on mute by any chance? Who? The caller? You, like, this, this production, may, no, I'm saying maybe the production has you on mute. Oh, it, well. It, it, let's I, try I, it I one more time. Have the production just to whoever's back and handling all of that to make sure that the line's off mute so we can hear. All right, we'll see. Again, one more time, folks, 678-459-4236. We may have to bump up our segment as the SWAC turns a little bit sooner than expected here if we don't seem to be able to get off of uh, 
So on the web, say he's not hearing us. They're not hearing us? Right, when they call in. Okay, is that who's trying to call? Evidently. Well. All right, I know we got volume. Let's try it again there. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Hopefully this is not a sign for Saturday. Quiet, EA. Um, it's not a sign. Yeah. I can hear you. Hey, caller. Caller, how you doing? I'm blessed, my brother. My Rob. All right. You look good there. Miss you what, guys. What? Miss seeing y'all every year. Uh, I got a chance to talk to Mr. Hemingway uh, a couple times on um, Scripps' uh, show. Uh, gentlemen, I just wanted to give you my um, prayers. I uh, hope you guys make it in, brother. And just, just hold it down, man. If you make it in, make it good now. Don't get in there, and, and you know you've been talking all this. We want to be in there. Don't get in there. You know I, I need that. Uh, what was it? Ninety nine when you, um, y'all um, made it right. in there, made a decent little run. I, I, we we right. need that, man. And uh, like I said in my comments, yes, I think you guys are better uh, suited for the playoffs in Jackson State. I think Jackson State talent wise is is the same as as you guys, but I think structurally. Uh, I think you guys will just have a, a better opportunity um, based on how I look at football to survive in the playoffs. Jackson State relies too much on the big play. Um, that's just my opinion. You know, um, yeah. hope you guys get a home game. If you do, get past that one. But, you know, I hope you, they don't screw you guys and send you way out where it's like they did. Um, what was that? Yeah. It was in that with 99. They sent you guys like Western Illinois or some kind of crazy place like that, but it'd be even worse would be somewhere like Montana or something like that. Um, but I just wanted to say, hey, good luck to you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you. You know, it's when you put, you know, um, allegiances, you know, um, behind you. You know what I'm saying? Because like I told Mr. Hemingway, uh, it's only like five universities that really care about truly winning in football in the HBC world, and there's Tennessee State, FAMU, Grambling, Southern, and I'll put our corn in there. But um, the rest of the university, I'm not saying they, they, they don't care per se, but, you know, uh, you bear uh, a tree by the fruity berries. This is all I can say about that. But good luck, guys. Right. I'm rooting for you, and um, hope you make it in there. All right. Thank Appreciate you. it. Appreciate it. Let's make sure uh, anybody else, 678-459-4236. Plenty of time for you guys to uh, – to get in there, just taking a peek and see any comments, anybody else while we're waiting on another call, anybody coming in from the from the chat rooms, any comments or questions out there. Um, you know, let's let's hear it. Let's start the discussion, guys. I mean, does it? I mean, does uh, does FAMU is FAMU in with a win against Bethune Cookman? Is FAMU in the playoffs? Let's just ask it that bluntly, in or out. Now, in the chat rooms, let's go. In or out? With a win against Bethune-Cookman, are the Rattlers in or out? I don't, I don't think we can say it any clearer than that, right? It is what it in. is. I, I agree. I agree. Um, and I, I'll, I'll, while I'm waiting on the call, I'll speak to well, – here, here, here we go. Here we go. Let's see. Who we got on the line? Caller, who we got? What's your name? Where you calling from? Montre Bennett, Palm Beach County, Derrick Beach, Florida. 
Florida A&M University and the Whitlam Wildcats for show. Kevin, I definitely need a hat. I've been trying to look for a hat for the last six years. And we're going to get uh-huh. in the playoffs. Ain't no denying about that. Well said. Well said, Montre. Appreciate you. Appreciate you calling. Any uh, any predictions on this game Saturday? I say if if special teams can pull off some touchdowns, uh, I say we'll score about 50 points. Oof. 50, right. 50 to 21. 52 to 21, my final prediction. All right. All right. I'm going to write these down. 52-21. I'm just, all right, let's go. Appreciate you, Montre. I see some more right. people in. I see people saying in, convincing wins. Let's go. In or out. If FAMU beats Bethune Cookman, in or out, give us those score predictions. Start putting those in. And let's, hey, look, Bethune, let's not, you know, hey, two wins in a row. We wanted them to get a win. We didn't want them to come into this game winless. So, But now they've won two games. And there's a little bit of confidence I'm hearing from from Wildcat Nation. You know, they they have uh, you know, they they grow in a pair underneath the first. So I mean, it's it seems to be there's a lot of belief. Uh, the bigger question is, Kofi, you kind of talked about this. Is this potentially the last game for Coach Sims? Oh, I know that's a loaded question. I you know so. I mean, you know, I've already said I I don't see how he's going to necessarily take the program forward. I know that the alumni, you know, the last two wins have shown that he does have good control over the team. But uh, I don't think that Wildcat Nation is necessarily happy with the direction of the program as it stands right now. Um, You see, you know what you're going to get with Terry Sims. I think if they want to take the next step, they're going to have to reset the program somewhat. Um, Terry Sims does have a good argument. Uh, obviously, with the change in the administration, he's been able to hold everything together. But for me, just the, the, the lack of an ability to really close out, there's been no notable progress with the program over the last three years. He hasn't been able to take the bull by the horns from Brian Jenkins and bring the Wildcat program to a championship level. For me, it would be a no. I think that he's going to be gone after this game, and that's that. You don't factor in the budget cuts. They took a ton of money from out of the football. All of that's nice. All of that's great. It came down to X's and O's. They were in winnable football games. Budgets, no budgets. They were in winnable football games in the fourth quarter, and they did not get it done. That comes down to coaching. That tells me that budget or no budget, you can look on the field and see the talent that Bethune-Cookman has. You're going to be facing, FAMU's facing a team that has size and has speed. Um, what they have not been able to do in those in those prior games is just really close out uh, games. But they come with a ton of intensity. They come with a ton of energy. They play very hard. They do not quit. But... Uh, the thing, the way that they're losing those games against Alabama A&M, against Alabama State, against Mississippi Valley, all of those games were there for the taking, even against South Carolina State. Um, that came down to coaching. You know, you get down 42-7, not because they are better than you, not because of the budget, but because you were in the wrong defense at the wrong time 
and or the wrong offense running the wrong place and turning the ball over. That's coaching. Whew. Man, I tell you, you 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 hardcore on these coaches, man. I, I tell you, you know, you act like the coaches I mean, look, are out there I mean, football the is passing the ball. Football, football gets the big. The football coach gets the biggest salary, probably more than any, uh, probably yep. more than many presidents. You know, right. it's your money maker. You need somebody in that position. If I'm going to invest that kind of money, I need somebody in that position that's going to get the job done. It is too many other things for me to do in Daytona Beach, Florida. I can go to Orlando. I can go to the outlet. I can go to Disney World. I can spend my money. I like how you said the first thing to do at Daytona Beach is go out of town. I love the way how you said that. But anyway, go ahead. (laughs) I can go to the beach. Hey, I can do all that. You know, it's the world's most beautiful beaches. It's stuff to do. You know, so if Cookman's going to be losing, it's not it's not um it's not gonna generate the necessary revenue to keep the program afloat and your school is already suffering. Now, here's the deal. Um if they get rid of Sims, they gotta be able to bring in somebody strong. And I'm not sure they're gonna have that now. Here's the deal. This would be funny. Um my boy Fobbs is without a job. Frazier is without a job as a head coach. Um, so if they get rid of Sims, those are two names right there. Even the guy that used to coach at Alcorn would be able to come into that particular program and possibly bring uh, an additional measure of swag. But for me, uh, both Frazier and um, and Fobbs would be potential upgrades from where Sims is right Oh, and my guy Rod Reed, who actually coached down at Cookman as a, on the defense, would actually be a good coach for Bethune Cookman. Yeah, that that's a name uh, Tony yeah. Webb in the chat yeah. room just threw out there. Uh, sounds like you want to go to as the swag turns here, uh, Kofi. One more opportunity here. Anybody want to get a call in here? Six seven eight four five nine four two three six. One opportunity here. On the other side, as we get ready to talk about as the swag turns, I think last week, what did I set the number at? Coaching changes. I say three and a half. Was that what I said three. last week? Yeah. yeah well, three. Yeah. Well, three. Yeah. Well, we, we, uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, we, I was kind of doing the, the math here. We've already got three open spots. Could we have up to maybe five? I, you know, that, that'll be interesting here. Um, let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll get into our As the Swack Turns segment, looking at the coaching breakdown, the coaching changes. Uh, none of it really affects FAMU, except the fact that it's in our conference. So we want to talk about it. And then uh, coming up at the uh, towards the end of the segment, we give our predictions, and we will look back on that great day Back in 2010, the last time FAMU defeated Bethune-Cookman, and we'll kind of reminisce and, and get all warm and 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 feel good about uh, what it was to get a win over FAMU or Bethune-Cookman uh, coming up on the other side. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be back after these words. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. Favorite play. 
It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. message quicker and each sheet is two times more absorbent so you can use less he's an eight he's a nine bounty the quicker picker upper Okay, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Just a reminder, make sure you follow us, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at ONG Strike Zone. Go ahead and uh, give us a like and subscribe. If you're on that YouTube channel or Facebook, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page. Make sure you're on our Facebook page as well. And... Um, any comments, suggestions, ongstrikezone at gmail.com. All right, it's that segment that I like to call As the Slack Turns because, man, this conference never stops churning. Some of the scores from this past weekend, big upset happened, I would say, on the west side between Alcorn State and Prairie View. Number one, Prairie View goes down 31-29 to on the road at Alcorn State. A little controversial play towards the end of the ball game that allows for Alcorn State to hold on to that win. And uh, pretty much Prairie View still owns and controls their own destiny. But, uh, hey, look, Alcorn has a big game coming up against Jackson State this upcoming week. So that'll be interesting. You had Jackson State with a 21-17 win come from behind over Southern. Uh, Alabama A&M and Texas Southern getting a shootout, 52-49. Lots of points, points, points. Mississippi Valley State, 44-21 over Alabama State. And those Bethune-Cookman Wildcats, 31-14 over Grambling. And uh, pretty much that was the final nail in the proverbial coffin for Coach Broderick Fobbs, who not only after giving the – and I was watching this, so he gave his media press or his Monday 
morning media press uh, 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 statement or press conference uh, that they do every Monday on the, with the SWAT. Uh, matter of fact, I think it was right after Coach Simmons. I think it was. And, you know, listening to his comments, guys, sounded like a man who was defeated. Uh, I think he had said something to the effect of his team was not prepared for that game, and he took the responsibility. And I kind of heard that, and I was like, I I would never say that. I mean, especially not in the position that you're in. There's no way I would have said we weren't prepared. So needless to say, a few hours later, that afternoon, Southern makes the announcement that they let Fobbs go. With one year on his contract, Grambling let Coach Fobbs go uh, with a year left on his contract. He actually has a contract through uh, 2022. And, you know, for me, I, I it kind of felt like a little bit of what we saw happen in our own backyard back when uh, that snake oil salesman uh, who came in here as an AD fired uh, um, Earl Holmes on homecoming week. That's what it felt like. Now, many people will say, hey, look, what what has to be done tomorrow should be done today. I get all that. But it's not like Roger Fobbs is a guy who pulled your program out of its darkest day. He's a guy who brought you two SWAC titles, a national championship. He's a grambling man. I mean, whatever that means. I mean, there's so many Southern people running grambling. I don't know what that means anymore. But if it means anything, it should have meant something to whoever was making the decision and saying that, hey, Fobbs need to go. There should have been a better way to send Coach Fobbs out, in my opinion. But regardless, he's gone. And I think with the expectation that Southern will be looking for a new coach, guys, think about it. Southern and Grambling will be looking for a new coach at the same time. That's almost unbelievable to think about going into the Bayou Classic that they're basically both on similar job searches. What are your thoughts, Kelvin? To have iconic openings in HBCU football at those uh, football factories with, in Southern case, facilities and the other and the great fan bases and so forth. Uh, it is um, uh, a bit, you know, surprising. However, you have to look at, you know, the administration, right? If I'm not mistaken. Both of them kind of got new ADs and uh, relatively new ADs, and and they didn't hire the folks that were there. And Southern kind of lost Odom in a in a strange way, really, because it can be argued that he took a at best lateral position, and probably in reality uh, took a little less position and left, and they let him walk. Um, Successful success success is hard, and at iconic programs, winning is not easy. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of folks with opinions. Um, there's a lot that the coach had to deal with above and beyond just coaching. 
And um, I, I, I think that sometimes alumni, fans, administrators, everybody kind of take that for granted. And because of the colors and the emblems on your jerseys, uh, you know, and we used to win it, you know, and we, some of us living in the past, we feel entitled that, you know, whoever had this job, they're going to win because they got the job. And it's, folks, it's not that simple. <laughs> it's, right. it's just not. And in Bob's case specifically, um, I know they went uh, uh, winless uh, in the spring. Um, there was a lot of turnover. A lot of kids left the program or graduated. Um, um, so it was pandemic yeah, stuff going on. It, it, it was just not a regular year. So, you know, I don't really read too much into that. And then he made a decision now. I don't know if I would have made a decision understanding how Grambling is in those expectations, but he made a decision to redshirt a quarterback that probably would have brought him at least two, maybe three more wins. The true freshman bowling out of the New York area, right? Yeah. He, he let him play three, four games, and then the, the preserve a redshirt. Uh, he, he made a decision not to go with him anymore. And uh, he also had some quarterbacks that left his program. And starting elsewhere, uh, one at Tennessee State, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So, uh, so you know, I I, I kind of see it, but with, like you, I thought the best thing for them to do would have been give him another year, and then see where he at then with because uh, he you know is a relatively young team. He have a lot of people coming back, and we know that he already had his quarterback on campus now you may push that recovery period back two to three more years, depending on who you hire, who you're going to attract, because uh, who knows how many kids would stick around uh, with a new staff. And then honestly, man, you know, I, I don't know if the expectation of some of the fan base is realistic or not given the current climate environment of uh, mm-hmm. with transfer portal and all these other things. It's a lot easier for kids to move around now and then. And uh, and you know, so we'll see how it works. I I, I need those iconic brands to be at their best. So I uh, you know I I, I I want the best for them. Um, but uh, but but I I just you know, hey, you know, we'll see how it work out. Go for your thoughts on uh, Fobbs and uh, Grambling's decision to let him go. Uh, I saw it coming. Um. Because I know how Grambling is. They they do not like to lose. I felt that seat warming up in the spring. So there wasn't a whole lot of leeway with him coming into the fall. Um, I think um, watching them lose to UAPB was very disheartening towards Gramlingites, uh, you know, let alone... Uh, because they believe, obviously, them playing UAPB is a winnable game. Um, they had to do it. They had to pull out that victory. And then, obviously, losing that game, the way that they lost, they fell behind big early, which speaks to preparation, which speaks to intensity, that your team was not ready to play. Um, and then you play a hungry, fast, athletic Bethune-Cookman team who comes into your house in the hole, which is supposed to be 
mystical on some level. It wasn't mystical at all. And to lose the way that they did with five people in the stands was just not cool um, for, for Grambling. And knowing what they were going into, it was going to be tough. Now, the, the bad thing about this is, as Kelvin stated and alluded to, first of all, this guy has brought you out. He's a championship coach. So he knows the template to get it done. Uh, that being said, all momentum is lost, and you lost quite a few players in the spring that would have been able to contribute to your overall success in the fall had they chosen to stick around. So question one is, why are these people trans transferring from your program? Why is Hickbottom, who was labeled by many uh, Grambling fans as dysfunctional and not all that good, he goes to Tennessee State and balls out. What's the difference? You know, why is this guy having good success at Tennessee State and he's not having the same amount of success at Grambling? Um, what is that environment like? Now, in addition to that, um, it wasn't too long ago that the Grambling players had to protest for the facilities to get some additional upgrades. Those upgrades are not major upgrades that they got. They did just enough to appease the protesting kids. But let's not fool ourselves into thinking that Grambling's facilities are world-class. So that speaks to the uh, university's administration, the university administration's commitment to the overall success of the program. Okay? Because I firmly believe and i know for a fact that it really does start there if your university administration is not geared up to make sure that that athletic program is going to be successful the program the athletic department and the football team is not going to be successful now grambling traditionally does not necessarily draw that well at home which is kind of puzzling to me because of just the tradition that that team has. But if you're not growing well at home, that means you're not generating revenue, which is going to be a problem later on down the line. So you're stuck between that rock and a hard place. I would say that the Grayland program does need a reset. Um, you know, I would have liked to have seen Fives and those play better. They didn't. And therein basically lies the problem. Now, the problem with them letting Fobbs go, with him being such a father figure to those young men, with him being gone, I don't know if a lot of those players, I don't, it's not a guarantee that Noah is going to stick around at Grambling. It's not a guarantee that those recruits that he bought in and those transfer players that he brought in are going to stick around. So that's going to make this job that much tougher. So. You know, whoever wants to go to Grambling has to, A, understand that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. You're going to have to want to be at Grambling. You're going to have to want to understand. You're going to have to want to get there and raise that money and generate, rejuvenate Tiger Nation and get them behind your program in a way that they have not been behind that program before. Because for, for all intents and purposes, it looks like it's, it's kind of like a funeral. Those people actually love uh, Fobbs and what he was able to bring. So understanding there's going to be 
a ton of adversity. You may have to build that program from scratch with about 25 totally committed players that are ready to buy in, that really love Grambling through and through and are not going anywhere. But, you know, with the amount of players that are transferring out, I don't know. Now, the other thing is this, going back to that whole university administration thing, how committed are they? Because they're not paying Fobbs a ton of money. Well, Fobbs is making 300000 okay. so, Yeah, FAMU well, and Southern are going to pay more. Southern's going to pay more than Grambling to get their No, guy. I'm giving you what um, – well, okay, I hear what you're saying, but fam, but I'm saying Fobbs' contract, it was the three, he was getting 300000 Now, part of it's coming from certain places, but, I mean, 300000 is what he's making and will make next year. My point is that if Grambling's going to up the ante to get someone that they want, they're going to have to step up in that regard. And uh, I don't know how willing they are to do that. I don't know what their finances are like. I'm just saying, historically, right now, they're not top tier when it comes to necessarily paying their guy. So there needs to be a greater commitment. As Southern goes, uh, Southern's been in the search for a minute. Um, I think that they've been searching throughout the, you know, since they labeled this guy as interim, I think that they did that for a reason to see if this guy had the wherewithal to lead the program where it really could go. Um, in, in fairness, Southern had an extremely brutal schedule. Um, you know, I was happy to but see the way that those guys. It was brutal, but they had home games. Don't make yeah, it easy. Guys don't make it easy. Yeah. I'm it, telling you, man. Those guys yeah, really got out there. Go ahead, Cole. Yeah, so those guys really got out there, and from the way that Southern played up until they played FAMU and Jackson State back-to-back, they had not lost two games in a row, and they were right in that Jackson State game and in position to win. Um, but he's not getting another chance, just for the record. He's, it's, no, I we know is, that. Yeah, yeah. We know so, that. but um, – that being said, I think Southern's going to do whatever they can. They, they've seen what has happened at, uh, you know, their rival Jackson State University, and they've seen the success. They've seen the energy. They've seen the, um, the commitment that Dion and the energy that Dion brought to that program, and they want that same energy for Jaguar Nation. They know that if they stick with the interim guy that – Jaguar Nation is going to be like, look, we're going to be around here for another year. we got to go through this again. Now you're going to ask us to buy season tickets. We don't have no hope. At least with the new guy, right. he can generate some level of energy. And, um, you know, they went after Ed Reed briefly last year, who's, uh, you know, very familiar with the program and with the area. So he's somebody that I believe that they're going to look at very strongly. Again, looking at Rod Reed. The guy Bowie State, you got the head coach, and you also have Frazier, who's one of the assistants. Um, those guys, uh, Southern's going to go after somebody top tier with some experience and with some fire that's going to be able to sell that program. Well, what's interesting is obviously you, we know there's a position at Alabama State that's open. We all believe Southern and Grambling, Southern is going to be open. We all believe that. So you've got. Southern and Grambling, two Blue Bloods, two power names. It'll be interesting to see those two programs in the same state basically giving pitches to similar people. 
from what I'm hearing, there are a lot of people on the same wish list for Southern as there is Grambling. So the question is whether it's money, facilities, name recognition, it'll be interesting to see who goes, who they go after and what that means for the future. Um, does the, does the Southern, let's move quickly here. Does the Southern facilities out Trump what Grambling may have, which may be the visionary leadership from their athletic department? Because somebody with that vision may be able, and they may be able to bring in the facilities and do more. So it's like, real quick, Southern or Grambling? What's the better job right now? Southern today. Southern has Southern. a bigger Southern. fan base, hands down. Ben Rose versus Grambling. <laughs> Give me a break. Close to New Orleans. Uh, so here is. Uh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. And talent wise, so, so, well, you know, and talent wise, Southern has better talent right now. Yeah, and Gabe Giordano. Giordani, I think I said his name right. I hope I said his name right. At Albany State, has to be somebody that both schools would consider at this particular time. This guy has led his team into the playoffs. Even though he's white, he coached on Saban's staff for a minute. He's been around Saban, and he's not afraid to work at an HBCU. So he's used to being in that environment. He understands what needs to be done. And this guy can coach. So... You know, this is somebody that if if Grambling and Southern, you know, are looking at it, I, I could see him leaving Albany State, you know, or them looking at him very, very strongly, especially once these playoffs get started, to see exactly where they are with that. But um, you've got Jerry Mack, who's an assistant at Tennessee, who coached at North Carolina Central um, and led them to multiple MEAC titles. Um he was one that was like, had he known about the Southern job earlier, he might have looked um, intently or harder at that particular position. So, what, did he, did he you missed know, the memo when Fob stepped away. What do you mean? I mean, what? Everyone, in, everyone not makes Fobbs, I'm school. talking about Odom. I'm saying, but he Odom, had already yeah, when, signed a $500 contract at the University of Tennessee. Oh, well, yeah, you're not giving that up. I don't care what you say. You, you know. Um, Hey, but uh, let me let me let me go to my list of maybes real quick, and then we'll get out of this and get into the last part of our show here. The the, the trickle down effect, in my opinion, of the, we when I said we may have up to five coaching changes, you've already spotlighted the potential at Bethune Cookman, but don't sleep on the effect of what Eric Dooley at Prairie View has in his back pocket. Because he's on the end of a contract. There's no contract extension. Uh, I, you know, I've heard that they are in the works, but they haven't made anything official. You've got Grambling and Southern positions opening. I mean, there's a there's a realistic possibility that, you know, here's Coach Dooley sitting out there uh, without a job after – I mean, can you imagine – winning the SWAC championship and still not have a contract going into Celebration Bowl week while Southern and Grambling are still looking for a coach. Can you imagine what that would look like? Uh, so there is that job. Go ahead. You're going to jump in? 
Prairie View has way better facilities than both of those schools. They do. And Why haven't they paid him? Yeah. Why haven't they given him a contract extension? <clears throat> that I don't know. I don't know what they were waiting on, but uh, I, mean, he, I don't coach. see him going. I don't see him going back to. Green. I agree with you, Brian. That's cool. I, I don't know. I, I, agree, I, I agree with you, Brian. I'm not maybe yeah, not Gremlin, but 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 he, they in trouble. If Southern really want him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, now, that I part. Agree. That part I agree with. And how about Mississippi Valley's coach, uh, Vince Dancy? I mean, Dancy has shown – I don't know if he'll leave Mississippi Valley State, but if somebody – when you look at what he's done with very yes. little, woo, I mean, there's a guy that's got yeah. an opportunity. And I still maintain – I think – I would not be surprised if UAPB becomes open, given what we the, – the collapse that you have seen this year is – They had a my ton people, of injuries. They had a bunch of everything. They had a bunch of people transfer. They had a bunch of injuries. They had a bunch of losses, a lot of losses. They had worse losses than Grambling, Southern, and Alabama State combined. And those three are looking for coaches. So, I, I'm look, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, there's four schools there, all maybes, yeah. that we may be looking at new coaches in a couple weeks going into the SWAC championship week. I So, look, we UAPB say, doesn't have that same – desire or energy that um that I want to say Southern and Grambling have towards their athletic programs or towards their football program and because he just took them to the SWAC championship game I don't see them pulling that trigger just yet next year definitely um but right now with everything that's going around Grambling and Southern hiring a coach if UAPB gets in the mix, they're going to get the bottom of the tier. So they might as well just stick with um, who they have right now, the guy that really brought that program to uh, a level of prominence where people understand that if you play UAPB, you're going to have to play a good game uh, to beat them. And uh, I think they're satisfied with that for right now. Um, but next year, if he comes around with that same record and energy, they're going to look hard at making the change. All right, so that that's our that's our uh, version of as the SWAC turns. A lot of stuff going on there in the SWAC. We'll see what it looks like next week because it may be totally different uh, come next week. Uh, let's let's move into the uh, this weekend's game, the Florida Classic, uh, November twentieth, twenty ten. That was the last time that Florida A and M defeated the Wildcats. Uh, FAMU came into that ball game with a five-game winning streak. Bethune-Cookman on a 10-game winning streak coming into that ball game, And it would be Florida A&M. It would be a 38-27 victory for, for FAMU. Uh, Bethune-Cookman had jumped out to a 27-14 lead thanks to 21 points in the second quarter. But uh, FAMU's defense would hold the Wildcats scoreless in the second half. That's right, scoreless in the second half. And uh, that's where FAMU uh, scored their first points of the second half. Trevor Scott connected on a 30-yard field goal. Then uh, Philip Sylvester, you remember Philip Sylvester, guys? Uh, oh, he yeah. would score his second touchdown on a 14-yard run to cut the deficit to 20-14. to 14. 
And then uh, Levante Page gave the Rattlers a 31-27 lead on a one-yard run with 20, uh, 229 to go in the third quarter. Sylvester would punch in a third touchdown of the game from three yards out to make it 38-27. to It was the second time Sylvester was named the Florida Classic MVP as he ran for 146 yards on 26 carries with three touchdowns. Um, a great day, uh, as I believe Bethune, even though they won the Black College National title, they uh, they, they failed to go unbeaten that year because I think they were coming into that game 10-0, and 0, if I'm not mistaken, right? 10-0 and 0 right. into that ball game. Uh, Joe Taylor had, uh, after that game, became the first FAMU football coach to record 25 wins in his first three seasons. And Philip Sylvester finished his career with 2,998 career rushing yards, placing him fourth among FAMU's career rushing leaders. And I would imagine he's still there at number four. I don't think we've had a career rusher since Sylvester that has, although I don't know, I I have to look at Bonnet's numbers now. He may have Given the years that he's been on campus, he may uh, he may have been able to put up some numbers getting close to. So that was the last time. And then all of a sudden, all the other stuff happened. Uh, the decade of uh, close games, overtimes, the fourth quarter collapses. Uh, but here we are, gentlemen, on the eve of, uh, I'm not going to quite call it deja vu, even though I feel like I was here a year ago. Um, this This feels a little bit different than this time a year ago. So we'll go around the room and do what we do. And uh, we'll start with the birthday boy. And uh, let's uh, let's hear your prediction and your thoughts for Saturday's game, Kofi. Um, I'm expecting the Rattler defense to really come out and set the tone with a ton of intensity and a ton of passion and a ton of focus. And I think that that's going to be uh, the sign of a great day for Rattler Nation. I'm looking for FAMU to score 35 points. I'm looking for Cookman to be like 10. So 35-10, FAMU. I like that. I like that. Kelvin, your predictions? Bethune, when they've won, got off to a good start. So I'm looking at the start of the game uh, to see if they can – Get get in get get to a lead or do our defense do, do what it do? Um, ultimately, we, there's a lot to play for. Of course, our rally nation is. If ticket sales are any, if, if they are accurate, it's going to be packing the lower bowl and second level. Uh, probably close to a sellout. I know the family side. I, my last I heard, the third level is already open. Um, wow. and there's nothing on the second level or the first level, and um, soon uh, it's getting there. Their second level corners are open, but so so if, if all that is accurate, it's it, it's going to be a larger crowd than maybe what was anticipated. Now I, I look at the weather, and there could be some it could be some rain, some overcast, uh, which doesn't bother us for what we do. I mean, we stick to what we do. And use the run to set up the pass, play special teams, so forth. And uh, I, I think we'll be fine. Um, I do think we need to send a message. Uh, so I do. I, 
I do think it'll be a convincing win. And um, and uh, I'm I'm this is the first game I think that I I'm going to predict predict that we go forty. Uh, uh, at least two forty. So I'm going forty two. Ten. 42 to 10. Man, I like that. I was I was thinking more in line with Kofi's 35. 35 is kind of what sounded good to me. And and I, and I do like that low that low point production. Um I I'll go 30, I'll go 357. I'll go 357. Um looking at the weather for the day, it does look like the rain uh that you did speak about. Looks like it'll be in the early part. Looks like all morning up to maybe about kickoff. Kickoff is set for 3.30 Eastern. So it looks like uh, by about 3 o'clock, the clouds will have uh, settled down. So we won't really have rain, at least according to the one weather forecast I'm looking at. Um, So a little bit of sun will probably come out around 4 o'clock and uh, take us into a beautiful... Florida evening. So expect showers. This is your unofficial meteor, meteor, uh, your weather forecast, right? your unofficial weather forecast. Uh, prepare for some showers when you wake up on Florida classic morning from about seven o'clock up until about two o'clock in the afternoon. Then uh, be prepared to uh, dry out, shake your tail feather and uh, get inside the stadium. Uh, wipe your seat down because it will be wet. And then uh, be prepared to enjoy a great game. Hopefully, it should stay dry the rest of the day. Well, uh, that's the classic. Uh, any predictions with our volleyball, with our Lady Rattlers in the tournament? Any predictions? Predictions, Kofi? They coming home with the ship. Calvin, yet champions, and I, we'll be looking to see where where they be playing regionally. Well, we want, we, want, we want to get that SWAC championship this year. You're so used to saying me I mean SWAC champion. Right. You got to get that SWAC championship. Well, I'm going to go clean sweep because that's what our girls do. They get sweep. So we're going to go clean sweep around the horn here, 3-0 uh, on, on that Sunday. So that's what we do. So there it is, folks. Um, again, uh, what an amazing run. We are going to be there. Uh, be watching out. We may even do a little – pre-game, a little halftime, who knows. But all of us, the fellas will be there. When you see us out and about, you know, give us a shout-out. Thank you to everybody uh, for watching the show, for listening. If you're listening to us on the BCSN Pod Zone, make sure to follow, like, and subscribe on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at ONG Strike Zone. Go ahead and send us an email if you like, ongstrikezone at gmail.com. Don't forget, still time to send Kofi some birthday shout-outs. Kofi? Cash app, please, is Urban A3. Hashtag Urban A3. The number three. Urban, Urban A3. letter A, the number three. Still time to send that cash app, some uh, some birthday love to Kofi. And then uh, when you wake up in the morning, go ahead and send a little love to Kelvin, a cup of coffee or something. Give out that cash app. I think it was it. Uh, cash app. Uh, Kelvin, Kelvin Rozier. Kelvin Rozier, all right? Make sure you guys show these fellas some love. And uh, we look forward to seeing everybody in Orlando on Saturday. Uh, let's loud, Let's be loud. Let's be proud. And Rattlers, let's go ahead and make sure to strike, strike, 
and strike again this weekend. All right, for my guys, Kelvin, Kofi, I'm Brian. You guys be well out there. Let's go, Rattlers. Let's go, Rattlers. Let's go.